I'm honored to be here. All right, folks. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started with the beauty and brains of actionable data from concept to reality. On May 25th, 1961, President John F. Kennedy challenged a generation to land a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth before the end of the decade. This coming July will mark the 52nd anniversary of the day America met that challenge, just eight years after the president threw down the gauntlet. But this monumental feat could not have been accomplished without using data that was made actionable. There were innumerable logistical issues to tackle, like the ones listed on the screen next to me here and many, many more. Remember, the microprocessor wouldn't even be invented until 1971. So the technology needed to conquer all these insurmountable obstacles simply did not exist. All of this you see on the screen exponentially increased the value of having actionable data during the Apollo program to give NASA the insight needed to answer the incessant questions, make those tough decisions, and ultimately meet JFK's challenge. They actually exceeded it, didn't they? Look at this definition of actionable insight on the screen. I'll summarize it like this. Meaningful data that's useful for making a decision, answering a question, or solving a problem. But with every data visualization, you have to start somewhere. You have a concept or an idea, and then you have as your end goal a completed visualization containing one or more graphs. Now, how do you get from concept to reality? I'd like to think of this as a spectrum, along which I suggest five stages for best practices in getting from the idea on the left to the completed visualization on the right. Those five stages are conception, inception, perception, inspection, and direction. Now, they can be either concurrent or sequential, but in either case, we need to look at them in the light of a strategy that's comprehensive and with a positive mindset. See, this is supposed to be an enjoyable thing to do, folks, not a drudgery. So let's jump right in. First stage is conception. You have to start the race somewhere. How? Keyword articulate. As you articulate the need, it's important to understand your audience. I mean, you wouldn't understand, you know, you wouldn't articulate your need in, to a room full of developers or end users in the same way you would to, say, a bunch of high level executives or DBAs, managers, or anybody else. It's equally important to know your data. You have to articulate what you're going to do with the data. And the most important thing to be articulated is the purpose for your data. That is, what are you trying to show? Are you showing comparison, distribution, composition, or relationship? Well, the answer to that will determine the type of visualization that would be the most appropriate for what you're trying to show. Dr. Andrew Abella, university professor, has come up with an amazing graphics tool that I believe masterfully articulates the need and sets the pace for these four categories that he's identified. Let's take a closer look. As Abella's chart chooser, Chichi, let's take composition as an example. You start asking questions and see these questions lead to other questions as you proceed down the decision tree, helping you to refine your approach and come up with the right type of graph. Well, at least the one that would be considered the best practice. All right, that's the stage of conception. So second stage, inception. Once the race has been started, here's where we need to make the case. <laughs> Keyword, advocate. Make the case for expressing the concept visually. 
Folks, this is very powerful for a couple of reasons, according to Mike Parkinson, founder of Billion Dollar Graphics. He says we're affected both cognitively and emotionally. Now, for the sake of time, I'll summarize what Parkinson's saying here pretty simply. <laughs> graphics get a hold of both our brains and our hearts. You see, that's both beauty and brains in action. Third stage, perception. When you started the case, the sorry, you started the race and you've made your case, it's time to motivate the base. Keyword, educate. Now, hey, we're not going to get very far in this data storytelling journey if the um, target audience or the stakeholders are not on board. So we need to educate them, making them realize they've got some skin in this game. Now, they can't take ownership or provide necessary backing if they don't understand what you're trying to present, or if they can't see what's in it for them, or if the visualization doesn't help them to make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem. Now, how do I do this? By understanding some basic principles. For example, should a graphic look good or should it be right? You know, it's the age-old argument of beauty versus brains when they're both important. But either way, I ask you a question, does form follow function? Well, I would have to say yes to that. You know, that begs another question. What do we mean by form and function? All right, form is what you do with the data. That's the brains. <laughs> Whereas form is expressing functional outcomes in the best possible way. That's the beauty. There's some best practices or cardinal rules that we need to keep in mind to ensure that function gets the right priority over form in the story we're telling with the data. I'll show you a couple of examples of what not to do and how to deal with it. First of all, pie charts. Oh boy, you know, it's important whether you like them or hate them. I mean, some people think they're the best thing since sliced bread, while others say they're the spawn of the devil himself. Whether you like them or hate them. All right, you got to realize something. Pie charts are supposed to show the parts of a whole. They're good at that, all right? Now, you'd think people would get that, but some don't. I'll show you what I mean. Take a look at the pie chart shown in this fuzzy screenshot from a TV newscast. <laughs> I see a couple of problems with this thing right off the bat. Uh, first of all, the numbers. They add up to 193. Now, how can you have 193% of a single pie? That's almost two pies. <laughs> Secondly, check out the sizes of each slice. Now, 70 is bigger than 60, isn't it? Well, then how come that 60 slice looks bigger than the 70 slice? In reality, the survey questions used in putting this news report together allowed for multiple choices. That is, respondents were able to indicate support for more than one candidate. Aha! Now you see why the numbers add up to more than 100. In and of itself, that's not necessarily a problem. But the problem here is that's not the way you show things in a pie chart. Okay, so we can therefore conclude that this pie chart is misleading. And in this particular case, a bar graph would have reflected the data more accurately, don't you think? Yeah, something like this. All right, it's the same data, but presented in a way that is not misleading. Okay, now let me show you this next chart. Um, I see some problems here. I mean, you know, at first it looks okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a screenshot from a South American newscast with this graph that's showing how um, COVID-19 vaccines or testings, I should say, not vaccines, excuse me, uh, the testing for COVID-19 um, 
perform per million among the populations of the six countries being depicted. All right, it, it looks okay on the surface, but look more closely at the three bars in the middle. All right, the 7,000 per million in the US is 21 times bigger than the 330 per million in Argentina, but bar for the US is only slightly bigger than the one for Argentina, certainly not 21 times bigger. You see a similar distortion in the bar for Italy. Okay, 14,000 is twice as much as 7,000, right? Yet, once again, Italy's bar is only just a little bit bigger than the one for the US. What's the point? Okay, to get an honest picture and make honest decisions, data must be presented honestly, right? No distortions. The distorted perception that this graph tries to portray, at least subconsciously, is the statement, oh, well, you know, the differences aren't so great among these six countries. Oh, that's a bunch of crock. I mean, you can see that is not true by looking at the graph. Hey, let's be honest in what we portray and keep everything proportional. All right. You started the race. You've made the case. You've motivated the base. Now give it some space with the fourth stage of the spectrum by asking the question, does it stand up to scrutiny? This is inspection. Keyword, investigate. Hey, being totally transparent helps you to avoid the pitfalls of bias and unethical use of your data upon inspection. And when you've done your due diligence, you're not going to cringe when you get these questions. Did you ensure data quality? Where'd you get your data? How do you know what's right, Bubba? Okay, right? You won't be bothered by them. They won't intimidate you. Now, as you let the data behind your data storytelling project stand up to inspection, you need to be aware of the difference between impact and influence and how that plays into making data actionable. Impact is typically recognized as an effect brought on by external factors that tend to push on your status quo. All right. By contrast, <clears throat> excuse me, influence is generally known to be the power to affect from internal factors that pull on your status quo. You see the difference? Impact is external, tends to push, whereas influence is internal and tends to pull. Now, in this short format, we don't really have time to go into any details, but to put it bluntly, an idea must be visualized, then scrutinized before it can be realized. In other words, if you've given it some space and it can stand up to inspection, you, my friend, are well on your way to making your concept a reality with actionable data. Well, after having started the race, making the case, motivating the base, and giving it some space, we now come whew, to the fifth and final stage of the spectrum, direction. It's time to put it into place. Keyword here, effectuate. All right, so how do you put it into place? What's your direction here? I see this implementation cycle as a four-fold iterative process. Deploy, discover, discern, and develop. And then it starts all over again. <laughs> we don't have the time to go into detail right now. Here's the point. Okay. You should hopefully improve upon your solution with each iterative cycle because sometimes it does indeed take more than one cycle. All right. In conclusion, finally got here. <laughs> here are the five stages of the spectrum one last time. And speaking of time, we're just about out. So uh, I'll just show them to you here. Uh, what are we looking at and what am I talking about here? Look, 
I'll say it like this, okay? I'm convinced that if you start the race, make the case, motivate the base, and giving it and give it some space, you will definitely be able to put things into place. Like Spencer Sobzak said, data storytelling is both an art and a science. Our data visualizations are the most powerful when they find this balance. So, hey, you now have the tools. So let's go balance art and science. Let's combine form and function. Let's blend both beauty and brains. Ladies and gentlemen, with actionable data, NASA exceeded President Kennedy's monumental challenge more than 50 years ago and not only sent astronauts to the moon successfully, but also returned them to Earth safely. I'd hate to be stuck on the moon, okay? What's more, they repeated it five more times over the next three years. They definitely knew how to balance art and science, beauty and brains. Remember, data is actionable only when it helps people to make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem. So using the tools that I have shared with you today, I leave you with this challenge. Turn your ideas into reality by making data actionable. Thanks so much for your time. Kate, I'll turn it back over to you for any questions. Awesome. Wow. That uh, that presentation was so full of energy that you had me jumping back when you started really going back. <laughs> you think you were jumping. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Yes, we, oh, we do have and, some um, questions. I did wear my dedicated T-shirt like I was supposed to. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for that. We have a lot yes, of questions. Um, hopefully, you still have some time. So we've got uh, yes, Harry saying, great presentation. Uh, people are loving that that chart chooser. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool as well. It it definitely hurt my eyes watching that pie chart that you showed. Um, <laughs> that was that was not pretty. That was not pretty. Precisely but, why not to do it that way? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. There there were some questions, and I'm trying to find them now. Asking if people can get the slides. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I can post a uh, I can post a PDF that uh, that is downloadable for them to get the slides. Yes, see, Toka saying couldn't take notes, got too yeah. engaged. Can someone share their presentation? That's a good problem to have, right? As a speaker, when people get too engaged, that's awesome. But when I do this live, I typically have a handout sheet that actually has uh, questions on it with fill in the blanks that they can fill in with uh, with the answers to the questions that come off the presentation. So uh, I probably right. shouldn't thought to do that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that in 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I get that. Absolutely. And Ravit wants to know, what is your secret behind the presentation energy? <laughs> oh, you're very kind, Ravit. Uh, I, I'm just passionate about what I do. You know, I know that uh, data is used in making decisions. And so, you know, if, if you uh, if you want people to make the right kind of decision, you have to present it in a way that's visually compelling. It should also be audibly compelling so that people know that you mean business. This is what you love and this is what you want to do. And, uh, you know, when there's so much at stake, I can't help but be passionate about it. Yeah, thank you. that's very kind to say. I, I get that. Um, there's a question here from Brianna. Do you have any book, course, or any other recommendations for people that are new to data and storytelling? Yes. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, British data journalist David McCandless. Uh, he is just a fascinating guy. 
Um, it's um, he has this. I think the site is called like Data is Beautiful. Excuse me. Yeah, data is beautiful. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And um, I tell you, the you know he's he's the guy that said uh, more than uh, eighty percent of all the information we take in is by eye. You know, uh, and that site has the greatest bandwidth of all the five senses. I mean, the, the guy's a genius. He has this Venn diagram that's just amazing and talks about uh, what the elements are that you need in good data visualization. So I strongly recommend um, uh, David McCandless. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely familiar with him. Um, I love this yep. comment. It doesn't show who it's from, but this person definitely does not need a cup of coffee now. <laughs> Amped up for Thank sure. You. Yeah. Um, someone asked, what was the most, what's the most difficult stage? So you went through a couple of stages for, for storytelling. What, what would be most difficult in your, in your opinion? You know, I would give the answer that most, uh, uh, technical people, uh, always you ask a technical person a question, what are they going to answer? It depends. <laughs> so it does, it really does depend. I mean, you know, for me, sometimes, um, uh, making the case can be difficult depending on the, on the audience that, uh, you know, uh, if people can't see the need for a visually compelling, uh, presentation, then you are going to have a, a hard time with the, the make the case stage, you know? Um, but, uh, the, the important thing is, uh, uh, putting it at their level and letting them see, okay, look, this is how it's going to affect your bottom line. You know, these, uh, this is what happens when you, uh, decide to move your chess pieces in this way based yeah. on what I've presented to you. And they see the effect that their decision is going to have on their bottom line or their employees or their products or whatever the case might be. Uh, then that's going to, you know, that's going to make people perk up, use yeah. something that, that they can identify with, make that connection. Uh, and then, you know, that uh, mitigates the, the issues that you can sometimes have when you're trying to make the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anaz is asking, what are some ways to review or proofread a data visualization? By looking at it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Oh, man, that was awful. Forgive me. Sorry, Anas. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, an important thing is, uh, you know, first to realize, OK, am, am I depicting a trend that's not there? OK, uh, I just love what was said. You know, if it's not in the data, it didn't happen. Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. You know, uh, when when Omar oh, Omar, I'm sorry, Omri, Omri Omar, uh, when Omri said that. Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent. You know, uh, don't try to read anything that's not there. OK, so ensure that what you're depicting is a truthful representation of what's going on. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't make changes over time appear to be more drastic than they really are. Um, ensure you're not exceeding Tufty's lie factor. You know, I showed that a little bit, right? The size of the effect shown in the data should never be greater than the size of the effect, excuse me, the size of the effect shown in the graphic should never be greater than the size of the effect shown in the data. So if right, you're using right. graphics, right, and you know that the next number is twice the size of the one before it, if your uh, icon or whatever depicting it is more than twice the size, then, you know, you're, you're not, you're exceeding Tufty's lie factor. So yes. do that. Um, be aware of the underlying data, you know, be able to have, if you're not the subject matter expert, have one who is, who can, you know, make sure that it passes the smell test, so to speak. Uh, yes, you see right. a sudden drop or you see a sudden spike. Does the data support that? Does that seem to fit with what you are expecting? Not that I'm implying that you manipulate the data to make it say what you're expecting it to say. I'm talking about you already know your business, you know your stuff, um, and does the data reflect 
what you already know to be true. Um, yeah, and yeah. then if that if that's the case, then it should be reflected in however you are, uh, whatever visual representation that you are creating based on the data that you have. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Joe Perez, thank you so much. This brings us right to time. I wish we had more time. There are so many questions and comments. Uh, people are wondering if you have a book uh, out that they can get. <laughs> No, oh man, I wish I did have a book. I don't have a book. Uh, you know, yeah, I might actually. I've been. Yeah, uh, I actually do. I'm. I'm writing articles um, for the uh, Global Business Playbook, and uh, um, you know, my first article comes out next month. So, um, uh, but I don't know as a, as far as the whole book is concerned. I, I've been told that several times. I may do that sometime. But no, in the meantime, you know, whatever questions or things that people need, just connect with me on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, that's that's the best way. And I'll be happy to answer questions. And and who knows, maybe if uh, if I do have a have a book come out, uh, I'll autograph copies for everyone. Yeah, that and that and two bucks will get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully you can hop over to LinkedIn and answer some of those questions. But I'll be happy uh, to. I'll, I'll see you later. Thank you.